This, this is the Buck Sexton Show, where the mission, or mission is to decode what really matters with actionable intelligence. One Make no mistake. America. Great. You're a great American. Again. The Buck Sexton Show begins. Activate. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. Buck Sexton. It is Buck Sexton. Now. Coming to you live from the constitutionally protected free speech bunker deep in the woods of Delaware. My name is Mike Opelka. Buck has a holiday, and I appreciate him trusting the Freedom Hut to me. I appreciate my old Blaze colleague giving me a chance to spin some yarns tonight on the Buck Sexton program, and I hope you will join in the conversation. This is a conversation. I know I have a lot to say, but I want to hear from you as well. So write down the number if you're new, if you just chimed in because I put it on the Twitter. And we'll have some Twitter action tonight as well. But you can join the conversation at 844-900-BUCK, 844-900-BUCK. Or send me a message on Twitter, at StuntBrain, at StuntBrain, S-T-U-N-T-B-R-A-I-N. It's a Red Shirt Friday. And I'm going to start out the program tonight by asking all of you to write this down. Make sure when you can, you wear a red shirt to work or to play somewhere on Fridays going forward. And it has nothing to do with unions. It has nothing to do with any other movement aside from respect. Red shirt Fridays are all about remembering the men and women who are not just in the military, but deployed. I have a friend who started wearing red shirts on Fridays, and he said to do, we're doing this, red shirt Fridays, red shirt Fridays, R-E-D, remember everyone deployed. So do me a favor, get a red shirt out, a t-shirt, I don't care if it's a golf shirt, a button-down shirt, a pajama top, wear a red shirt on a Friday. And if you can't do it now for the evening, promise me you will do it in the future. Promise me you will make the effort to remember everyone deployed because there are so many of them out there and so many of them feel forgotten. And if if somebody asks you, hey, what's with the red shirt every Friday? Tell them it really is vital. It's well, it's important to me. So make me happy. All right, what's on the agenda tonight? Uh, I want to talk about the president and his ability to really light up a crowd. We will get into that. There is more news on the um, inspector general's report into the, and I'm going to use the word collusion here, the collusion among FBI agents to try and meddle in our election. Yes, my language is chosen intentionally. I'm talking about Page and Strzok as a new batch of memos came out. We'll talk about that with uh, lawyer and author, Dr. Wendy Patrick. You've seen her on Fox. Uh, She's terrific. And we'll talk with Wendy about that just around the corner. And I want to talk about some fun stuff today, too. Yeah, it's a Friday, so we should have a little bit of fun. And uh, last night triggered my Friday frivolous question. And uh, I I was going to call it a frivolous Friday question, but the whole night is not going to be frivolous. So it's a Friday frivolous question. I was watching Jeopardy, as is my wicked custom. 
And I could not believe that the three geniuses who made it through the Jeopardy selection process, and it is an arduous process to get to be a contestant on a show as smart as Jeopardy, the three individuals totally blanked on this, this topic. It was in the category of recent stuff. Check it out. Recent stuff about it. In 2017, this ex-national security advisor pleaded guilty to lying to the FBI. Okay, before I play the answers, this ex-national security advisor pleaded guilty to lying to the FBI. You guys know, you formulate your, your answers in the form of a question. You know the answer, right? We all know. I'm screaming at the TV because in our house... Jeopardy is a blood sport every night and has been for the past 26 and a half years. And I'm screaming. My wife's going, it's unfair because that's like a government question. But she destroys me on literature. So anyway, that that's the answer. Now, let's give it to you again. So I'll give you another second to formulate your answer in the form of a question. This ex-national security advisor pleaded guilty to lying to the FBI. Suzanne. It was Kelly? No. Steve. Who was Gorka? No. It was Michael Flynn. They didn't know Michael Flynn. And I thought, my God, are these people sleeping in the library? Were they spending the last year studying for their Jeopardy test? Were they memorizing world capitals or longest rivers or the other piffle that you have to memorize to get to be a Jeopardy contestant at that level? I, I was stunned, but um, it brought to light a question for me, the frivolous Friday, Friday frivolous question, whatever you want to call it. What is the greatest game show ever? What's the greatest game show? And there are many game shows that have appeared on television, many in my long lifetime. And I know I spent, I am so old. I watched Jeopardy before Alex Trebek was the host. I watched Jeopardy and actually almost cost myself a a grade point in my college career because I watched it every day in the dorms. And uh, Art Fleming, the late Art Fleming was the host and the the announcer was um, none other than the guy who gave us the SNL intro forever and ever and ever. So I watched Jeopardy forever. But I want to know from you, the audience, the Buck Sexton audience, and this is one of the smartest audiences on radio, as you've proven over and over again, and also the most clever. What's the greatest game show? And did you ever audition for a game show? Uh, I did years ago. I did an undercover audition to try and get on Wheel of Fortune. I was never a Wheel of Fortune guy, and Rain Man killed it for me. I never wanted to be associated with Wheel of Fortune But I went through the complete process to become a contestant on Wheel of Fortune without telling them I was doing it for a radio station. And I made it all the way through because they were trying to get younger people. Apparently, their demo was somewhere in the low to mid 60 year olds. And they were trying to freshen up the show and get more young contestants. And they were like, you're just what we're looking for. You play the game well and you're youthful and you're exuberant and then I told him what I did for a living and I had to tell him who my wife was 
And I was declined the opportunity to be on Wheel of Fortune because of my wife. My wife was a soap opera writer. She worked for Procter & Gamble. And as such, P&G would exclude me from being on Wheel of Fortune because Wheel, at that time, was getting about $3 million a year in contestant prizes from Procter & Gamble. So, uh, didn't make it through the Jeopardy trials. I'm not trying to be bitter. And I got scotched from the, from the Wheel of Fortune trial. So, I never got to meet Pat and Vanna. But I want to know from you, is there, is there a, uh, a game show that you think is the greatest game show in the world, ever, in the history of the world? 844-900-BUCK, 844-900-BUCK. One of my crazy dreams is for us to actually skip some of the presidential debates. I know we have a lot of presidential debates, and I believe once the parties choose their candidates, once we know who the Democrats and the Republicans and the Green Party and the Libertarian Party, once they pick their candidates, I think the three biggest teams should face off in presidential jeopardy. You know, the categories would be like uh, domestic issues, economy, world leaders, all that stuff. And round one would be the vice presidents. Round two, double jeopardy, would be the presidential candidates. And the final jeopardy competition would be both guys working together or men and women. So it's it's kind of a bizarre dream, I know. But at the at the place we are today... With the kind of attitude and uh, approach that politicians are taking to elections today, I think turning the at least one of the debate nights into a game show face off, we get to see how smart these guys are, men and women. We'd get to see how well they work together. We get to see them in competitive situations, which we don't get to see now. We really don't. The debates are very civil. So I would be all for Jeopardy. And once again, uh, my vote for the greatest game show ever in the history of the world goes to the people who are fans of Jeopardy. And I'm sure I'm sure most of you smart people agree with me. Right. Uh, Also coming up today, uh, next block, we're going to get into the latest on the uh, texts between Strzok and Page and some of the other texts across the FBI platform. We're going to talk a little bit about Monday night's pending Supreme Court justice announcement. I kind of thought the president was going to leak it last night when he was in Montana. We'll talk about the trade war, and I'm using air quotes there. I don't know if you are using the same thing, but we'll talk about the trade war, which allegedly began tonight or last night at midnight. Uh, We've seen a little bit of wobble from some of our European friends, specifically Germany. So we'll talk about trade tensions. Is there a trade war? The economy had a good day today. We'll talk about that jobs report as well. It's a very good sign. And uh, the market was up over 130 points today in the face of the trade war, air quotes right there. So there's a lot on my plate today, as well as my curious fascination with game shows. And I'd like to know what yours are. You can do it online on Twitter to me, or you can do it on the phones, 
B-U-C-K, 844-900-BUCK. Mike Opelka in for my buddy Buck Sexton on the Buck Sexton Show. Hello, America. Mike Opelka is my name, sitting in for my friend Buck Sexton. I hope he's having a great Independence Day extended weekend. Anyone else feel like we got shortchanged on this week? You know, we get spoiled with the three-day weekend thing. But if you have a job that requires you to show up to work most days and this midweek Independence Day thing hits and you don't really get that extended break, I kind of feel like many of us who work really long days got got ripped off. We got shortchanged. Uh, n- enough about my fetching, though. We'll we'll get to that later. I'm I'm reading today on the Hill a story that uh, John Solomon posted that was just just unbelievable. There are more texts from uh, the struck page love texts across the FBI platform. More texts were released from congressional investigators. And uh, some of these are leaked, actually, not completely released yet. But I want to get into this because I get I get really twisted about this. And I wonder when are we going to get complete honesty and openness? So joining me to discuss is my friend, uh, attorney and author, Dr. Wendy Patrick, Wendy can be found at wendypatrickphd.com, but she also can be found on television all the time and right now on the Buck Sexton Show. Hello, my friend. How are you? Good. Always a pleasure, Mike. Now, Wendy, I want to get into the struck page email thing, but you have to answer tonight's Friday frivolous question. Greatest game (laughs) show ever is? Well, I'm going to have to say the price is right because that's what I grew up with. I'm Dating myself, I hate to say, Mike, but I'm willing to bet you remember that show, too. <laughs> well, it's still on. They got Drew Carey there now. Oh, you're kidding me. Gosh, no. that, you know what? We knew what all the grocery items cost when we were way too young to ever go shopping. Isn't that something? Yeah, it is. And uh, I love me The Price is Right. And I've wandered around the CBS studios in Television City when they weren't shooting it. And uh, nobody was around, so we spun the wheel. You know that showcase showdown wheel? Of course, of course. Like, like a bunch of idiots. And then I think security <laughs> heard it and came over and go, hey, what are you kids doing? Over? Get out of here. All right, let's you talk. Know, Mike, what I, what I remember about that show is I have never seen people more excited when their names were called. When they go, You remember when they would pan the audience and somebody's name would call? You would think they won the lottery just to have an opportunity to come down and guess the value of grocery items. An incredible show. It was. And the simplest shows are the best. I vote for Jeopardy because I'm in a Jeopardy death battle every single day. And that's it's just my guilty pleasure on television. But we'll we'll save this argument for another day. I want to talk about this. Hurry the F up the new emails and texts from struck to page and vice versa. Are these going to have any effect on any of the investigations currently going on? Any of the Mueller stuff, any of the House investigation, the congressional uh, hearings on this? You know, it's a different topic, it's a different issue, but it's hard to believe somebody won't find some argument that there is some relevance. And the reason is, you know, we've been having a drip of emails coming out. This is just the latest batch. 
The obvious question is, why didn't these come out earlier? But i got to tell you, there actually could be valid reasons that whoever was seeking the emails didn't find these or somebody didn't disclose them, or it just takes a long time sometimes to do this type of forensics. But is it relevant to what Mueller is focused on? Remember, it's hard. we've gotten so far off track, arguably, from the original mandate to investigate whether there was any collusion, coordination, whatever you want to call it, between the Trump campaign and the Russian that almost everything has purported relevance because the investigation seems to have broadened. And that's one of the reasons that many Americans are saying, hey, let's wrap this up. It's gotten way too broad, but it's also gotten broad enough to make an email exchange like this arguably relevant. And what Wendy Patrick is talking about in this email exchange, there are calls from from Strzok to his then-lover, reported lover, and to other agents to hurry the F up with their investigation. And one of the quotes, in according to this story on the Hill, from September 26th of 2016, shortly before the election, quote, at a minimum, this letter, the letter provides us a pretext to interview. And that pretext, uh, a nice excuse, I guess, to uh, push the FISA warrant a little bit harder. This is this. That's exactly this feels like, right. It feels like manipulation. Well, that's that's exactly what the story is, is about, and it's also showing. You know, that gave the ability, arguably, gave the FBI the ability to use some of its power to monitor Carter Page. So now that's being tied to the Pfizer warrant. And many people uh, do understand that a lot came from that warrant and the subsequent surveillance. That is uh, highly questionable. And that's part of the reason the FBI has really been under fire for this. So, yeah, a story like this just provides even more disturbing details that people are looking at in retrospect thinking, does this have more relevance than people should be giving it to the the underlying Mueller probe? I, it's a different issue, but, you know, it is inflammatory, and I think that's why this story is getting the attention that it is today, regardless of whether we're actually able to tie it in to the Mueller investigation. Wendy, I know there's a whole lot more to watch. We're up against a hard break, and you've got a Friday coming up, so... I can't hold you any longer. Always sure, a pleasure, Mike. I appreciate you weighing in on this. Wendy Patrick, she's a Price is Right lover and a really smart attorney and author. Thank you, my friend. Mike Opelka in for Buck Sexton. What's your favorite game show? What's the greatest game show of all time? He's holding the line for America. Buck Sexton is back. Well, Buck will be back on Monday. Mike Opelka sitting in for my friend Buck Sexton. Buck and I go way back to the early, 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 early days of the blaze. And uh, we were cohorts, partners in crime, if you will. Worked both on the editorial side and on the radio side. And Buck, a little bit on the TV side. I was not telegenic apparently they kept me off in the no pictures section but i spent six and a half years of my life at the blaze wrote more than three thousand pieces and hundreds of hours of radio and it was one of the greatest times of my life and i wish the blaze were as it was in 2012 and 13 that's just a little bit of reminiscent 
on this Friday after Independence Day. The Friday frivolous question of the day is one that is driven by me. I'm curious about your favorite game show. And that's why we're going to talk about the news. We're going to talk about what's going on in the world. But I have to know this audience, this audience which Buck reveres, I revere and appreciate you all. What is your favorite game show? So call in 844-900-BUCK, 844-900-BUCK. Jody in Salt Lake City's checking in. One of my favorite cities in the whole wide world. Hello, Jody. Welcome to the Buck Sexton Show. Hey, Stunt Brain. I miss you like a French tooth. Oh, God bless you for remembering that phrase. <laughs> One of the dumb things we used to say on the radio when I did a Blaze Radio show, but I still repeat it to others. So, yeah, I miss you like a front tooth as well. Do you have a favorite game show, Jody? Yes. Let's make a deal. I always thought that was so much fun. The original, or do you like the new one with, uh, is it Wayne Brady? Okay, so confession time. I have not had a TV for almost seven years, so I haven't seen the Wayne Brady. I'm talking the old school. We're talking Monty Hall and Jay yes, bringing the tray down the aisle. Yes, and the goat behind uh, door number three. Oh, yeah. Well, the Zonk Prize would move around. And for those of you not aware of what Jody's talking about, the original Let's Make a Deal had people dressing like absolute idiots in crazy costumes with pun-themed outfits. And they would get selected by the show's producers to sit in the contestant section down in the very front of the studio. And then Monty Hall, one of the great game show hosts of all time, would wander through the audience. And if someone caught his eye, he would say, you stand up. If you have a hard boiled egg in your bag, I'll give you a hundred dollars for it. And just ridiculous stuff. But they would they would make deals for what's in the box, what's behind the curtain. And then door number one, two, and three, pointed to by Carol Merrill. She was the Vanna White of the 60s and 70s. Yeah, I watched a lot of TV. It was a great show because you never knew what was going to happen. Now, and inevitably, one of those doors had a donkey behind it. And yeah. I'm a little younger than you, Mike. Not tons and tons, but a little younger than you. And I don't know why, as a kid, having the door reveal a donkey just made me giggle till I almost wet my pants. Well, you, we always, we always at home, my brothers and I and sisters, brothers and sisters and I would watch Let's Make a Deal. And we would root for the person to get too greedy and get a ridiculous Zonk prize. They were called Zonk Prizes. And uh, you just hope, because it, it's the schadenfreude in all of us, that ability to take pleasure in the displeasure or problems of other people. Uh, the Germans gave us that word, schadenfreude. But, uh, yeah, we used to watch that endlessly, and especially the last two minutes as the credits were rolling, because Monty had pockets full of cash and he would wander the audience. Now, I'm going to, you, you, do you, your TV has been gone for seven years, Jody. You've been yes. television free for seven years. Was, was um, the deal or no deal show on during your, before your TV absence? Yes, it was. Okay. And you remember it? Oh, yeah. Uh, the, uh, the host, what's his name? Uh, from it was Howie, 
Howie Mandel, I think. Yes, it was. Howie Mandel was convinced to do that show by the guy who came up with the concept. The guy talked to him over a sandwich at a Los Angeles deli, and he brought out a briefcase and explained it and how he was in from day one. And Howie, just three weeks ago, has been on the interview circuit telling the story that he's thinking about bringing it back. And, um, oh, that would be awesome. Well, you're going to have to get a TV then. Yeah. Well, okay, I'll, I'll think about that really, really hard. Now, the beauty of deal nice or no deal, no TV. it took no skill. It took zero intelligence. It was just random. But do you know which of, of all those women who had the little luggage up there? Do you know which famous person who also appeared as an actress on one of Stu Berger's favorite TV shows? Do you know which famous person also appeared as one of the luggage ladies on Deal or No Deal? No, I don't. Megan Markle. Oh, really? Yeah. She, in, in the early days of her TV career, Howie was telling this story. Like I said, just he's out on, the, uh, out on the interview trail right now pitching what he's planning on doing. And I was totally stunned. And I'm not a guy who likes the royal family. I think it's a gigantic joke and I think it's a waste of time, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, Meghan Markle, the princess now, I guess she's a princess or a duchess or something or whatever the heck she is. Whatever. Yeah, why, absolutely. We fought that war. We made that decision 242 years ago. No, thank you. But uh, I, I just thought... Back to back. Not just in, in 1783, but again in 18, what, 15? 1814? Yeah. Well, I, I barely remember that time. I'm old, you know, and then my memory goes fuzzy after a couple of those uh, centuries. But I do... I just thought it was fascinating that Meghan Markle has been in the public eye for so long and holding up. Do you think we could even do that show in this era? Because those, those ladies, the luggage ladies, were very scantily clad. And in this Me Too movement era, would you be allowed to do that now? You know what I think would be interesting? Is to have them come out in full Victorian regalia with their little luggage. It's too hot. It's too hot, and it's also not hot, and I'm always going to be a guy. So, Jody, I'm sorry, but I enjoyed, I enjoyed enjoying the luggage lady. So I'm, I'm well, going to I'm vote no on your. To, I'm not hmm? opposed to that. I'm just thinking because everyone's so oversensitive, what to do that? Here, okay. we're going to protect everyone's sensibilities. We're going to dress the girls from chin to toe and down to the wrist, and you should be happy. Yeah, why not Burkas? All we're going to exactly. do is see their their eyes, and then we wouldn't be able to give away anything uh, of any kind of clues, no body language, etc. Why not Burkas right. for the Miss America contest too? While we're at it, let's just put Burkas on everybody. Ah, the madness oh. is everywhere. This is drifted yeah, off course, Jody. But I thank you for voting. Your uh, your vote is good. I would like others to vote as well. I'm getting some text votes from people who are saying the gong show. Uh, the gong show was kind of like a talent show. It wasn't so much a game show. And Chuck Barris was kind of um, having fun with the rest of us there. 
So if you want to weigh in on this topic, uh, we'll we'll discuss uh, what's the uh, frivolous Friday answer to what's the greatest game show question. You can dial in 844-900-BUCK, 844-900-BUCK. And uh, Jody brought up a real interesting point. We're talking about the um, the women on game shows and the Me Too movement. And uh, last night, the president said something in his Montana address when he was at the rally. President Trump was talking about Elizabeth Warren and her ridiculous self. And uh, he called out Senator Warren and also kind of jumped on an idea that a, um, a candidate against Warren in Massachusetts has promoted. Dr. Shiva, I think his last name is pronounced Ayudarla. He is uh, an Indian man, and he, he says, I'm the real Indian, not the fake Indian. He's running against Warren. He has four patents. He's the inventor of email, and he has offered her somewhere between $1 and $10 million to take the spit test that would show us whether or not she's actually a Native American. And, uh, Mike, I think you guys have the clip there. At the studio, can you play the Donald Trump moment talking about Elizabeth Warren? Pocahontas, they always want me to apologize for saying it. And I hereby, oh no, I want to apologize, I'll use tonight. Pocahontas, I apologize to you. I apologize. To you, I apologize. To the, to the fake Pocahontas, I won't apologize. I'm going to get one of those little kids. And in the middle of the debate... When she proclaims that she's of Indian heritage because her mother said she has high cheekbones. That's her only evidence that her mother said she had high cheekbones. We will take that little kit and say, but we have to do it gently. Because we're in the Me Too generation, so we have to be very gentle. And we will say, I will give you a million dollars to your favorite charity, paid for by Trump. If you take the test and it shows you're an Indian, you know. And the crowd reacted very well to that. But the part of that moment that has been seized upon by the left-leaning media is the president gently mocking, and I use that term intentionally, gently mocking the Me Too movement. CNN went so far as to have four women on a panel today discussing just how sexist and offensive this was. And uh, I, I just... In the words of the millennials, I lost my ability to even. I just said, come on, guys. You'll say nothing about Elizabeth Warren uh, culturally appropriating Native Americans, and you never call her out, and you're mad about Trump making a little joke. I know. There's some people who are going to take exception to that. We can have a conversation on that, too. Michael Pelka in for my friend Buck Sexton tonight. I hope you'll hang out for the entire night. Join me, 844-900-BUCK, 844-900-BUCK. Got ahead of myself. We'll be right back. This is a very special occasion. The Godfather himself 
has been kind enough to grace us with his presence. The Godfather. This is his damn house. He lives there. He sleeps 20 feet away. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's good to be back among the the Freedom Hut fans, Buck Sexton fans. Michael Pelka is my name, sitting in for my friend Buck Sexton on this Friday night. We have a frivolous Friday question for you. What's the greatest game show? And uh, I want to talk more about that Me Too comment from the president and on the Statue of Liberty invasion. But first, I have to tell you about the Global Verification Network. This is really important. Global Verification Network is the only dual-certified, veteran-owned background investigations and vetting company. You hear what I'm saying? The only dual-certified, veteran-owned background investigations and vetting company. Go to mygvn.com to find out. Go to mygvn.com or call them, 877-695-1179, Federally certified as a veteran-owned small business. That's a VSOP, a VSOB, if you see that in the uh, website. Independently certified by the National Veteran Business Development Group. That council, which is the only minority spend certification recognized by the Billion Dollar Roundtable, headquartered in my old hometown of Chicago. Ooh, we got to talk about Chicago tonight, too, with offices all over the nation. They are risk mitigation experts. They work with startups to Fortune 100 companies. No data or client information is ever offshored. This is re- security is so important. And uh, all employees are located throughout the United States. So you're not going to get a phone room somewhere in uh, Namibia. So check out Global Verification Network. They are friends of this show. And again, the only dual certified veteran owned background investigations and vetting company, mygvn.com, or call them 877-695-1179. Okay, now let's get back to my question. It's an important question. Yeah, we're going to talk about the president and what he said. And we're going to talk about what the president said in Montana last night and how the left has lost its mind. But some of you are checking in on the question. George in Panama City, welcome to the program. Hey, how you doing? You tell me. I'm having fun, but, you know, I tend to go off the rails every now and then. Well, it's a Friday. You're allowed to, brother. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, game show preference for you, George? Uh, well, you know, I got to go with the all-time fave Jeopardy. I agree with you there. But one I thought was uh, of notable mention, The Joker's Wild. And, I mean, not the remake with Snoop Dogg, although that's not bad. I like the original with uh, Mr. Barry. I like it, too. And, you know, it's just fun to yell, Joker, Joker, Joker! It's a triple! Oh, yeah. <laughs> Good times. Good times. Well, thank you, George, for weighing in Jeopardy, getting a lot of big points. Let's uh, wander over to Wheeling, West Virginia. Is it uh, Dana, Donna? Help me out. Donna. It's like sauna, you know, like if you're going to get all like nice and warm. Yes. I like it. I like Oh, on a Friday. I I like where you're going, Donna. My parents made it up. So anyway, (laughs) so obviously I'm older than dirt, but. I remember password. Do you remember? No, you're too young. The password is Schadenfreude. Password is like the beginning of what became $20,000 pyramid kind of thing. 
Yeah, somebody supersized password and made the $20,000 pyramid yeah, out of it. Yeah, they did. They did supersize it because in the day, I mean, you didn't win all that much. But the important thing is, Alan Ludden was the host, L-U-D-E-N, mm-hmm. and he had never been married, and Betty White was one, you know, like you see on $20,000 Pyramid, you know, one of the stars that's given clues for password. Yeah, sure, I remember it. They fell in love. They got married. They were married for, like, I think 35 years, and then he passed away, and she's never remarried, and now she's, like, 94. That's one of the greatest Hollywood love stories and you're absolutely right. My my late mother used to point to uh, Password now in London, and she'd say, you know who he's married to? He's married to that Betty White, and they met on the show. And I'm like, Mom, yes. they did. Yes, that's how it happened. That's and absolutely how it happened. That he originally, Alan Ludden originally started in Miami, Florida, at a local TV station before he got on to the Password and Nationalness. Donna, I'm up against the Soros wall, so I got to say thank you for that wonderful story. And uh, let's keep it going in the second hour of the Buck Sexton Show. Mike Opelka in for Buck. Come on back. Buck Sexton. Permission. Decoding the news and disseminating information with actionable intelligence. Make no mistake. America. You're a great American. Again. This is the Buck Sexton Show. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. Buck Sexton. It is Buck Sexton. Now. It is Mike Opelka in for the guy who gets all the praise and credit in that intro. Buck is my friend. Buck is a former colleague from my days at theblaze.com and uh, the Blaze Radio. And it, he's we've remained friends. We were kindred spirits in the early days of Buck's radio career. And I looked up to him. Uh, he, he always thanks me for the help I gave him. But I have to tell you, it really was more the other way around for me. So I'm really happy to be here with this audience, an audience I consider to be really some of the smartest people that I encounter. And I do a lot of radio all over the country. And many of you follow me. So I'm very appreciative of that. Let's have some fun tonight. Let's have a conversation tonight. Let's talk about serious stuff and silly stuff. 844-900-BUCK is the phone number. If you want to weigh in, 844-900-BUCK. Last night, the president mocked Elizabeth Warren challenging her to take a DNA test. And he mentioned the the Me Too movement, and immediately, immediately the offendanistas reached for their Bic lighters and their hairspray and lit their hair on fire and began running around the room screaming at the top of their lungs. How dare he trivialize this movement? Well, I think we've seen a lot of people trivialize the Me Too movement. The Me Too movement has valid roots. The Me Too movement has really important things to say. The Me Too movement has taken down some pretty bad folks. Harvey Weinstein looks like he's going to spend possibly the rest of his life in prison for all of the horrible stuff he did. And so there have been successes from the Me Too movement. 
but there are also abuses of it, like we have with any movement that just has... No, I, I go back to the days that Buck and I spent in Occupy Wall Street, the days, the time we spent among that group of offendanistas, that group of lost souls in Zuccotti Park, who had no idea what the heck they were doing. Absolutely none. And that movement died because there was no center. There was no real concrete purpose. And the Me Too movement has a lot of squishy edges. I think they could boil it down and really achieve some, some good things. But the president poked fun at the Me Too movement last night. And now women who, Democratic women, liberal women, who already have a problem because he denied them their pantsuit party after November 8th, 2016, that they're using every opportunity to express their offendanista anger. And I keep repeating offendanista because it's a, a word in the Urban Dictionary that this show host created. So if you want to look it up, you can see it. Offendanistas, that's what I call them. Anyone who wakes up every single morning looking for something to just get angry about. And many times it's just not that serious. But in the case of the Me Too movement, there are legitimate Me Too gripes. And you're going to hear this now all weekend long. You're going to hear people saying, my God, I can't believe he mocked the Me Too movement. No, he was really mocking Elizabeth Warren and the lie that the left has allowed her to get away with forever and ever and ever. It really was about that. So you can try and tear it down. But you're not going to be able to diminish the reality. Elizabeth Warren lied and she used the cultural appropriation of a Native American person in order to benefit, in order to make herself look better and to make her career better. Don't get me started on powwow chow. Just craziness. So uh, tone it down against the Trumpster on this one. Now, I will tell you, there was a, a really odd moment last night in Montana, and I have to share this with you. There are times, and I voted for Donald Trump. I'm raising my hand right now and saying, yes, I voted for Donald Trump. Was he my first choice? No. I was a Ted Cruz guy. I am a Rand Paul guy. I like the Constitution. I like strict adherence to the Constitution. I also like a lot of the libertarianism. I'm a big fan of less government equals more freedom, and I love me some freedom. But I voted for Donald Trump proudly, openly, because I knew the Supreme Court would be a thing. I knew based on what was going to happen that, God forbid, Hillary Clinton gets in the Supreme Court. Her first pick would have been much farther left of Merrick Garland, the guy that Obama nominated and Mitch McConnell managed to use a procedural block to keep the guy off the court. So I voted for Trump. But when he says stuff that I disagree with, I have to point it out. I have to. And last night in the middle of this Montana event, the president was feeling kind of loosey-goosey. The night before he had watched the fireworks on the White House lawn for the second year. And you got to be thinking, this is my life. I'm Donald Trump. I'm the president of the United States. I'm moving and grooving. We got the economy on fire. We'll get to the jobs numbers a little bit later. And he was just kind of having fun. And then he started into one of the weirdest things. And 
Saturday Night Live has got to be kicking itself because they missed an opportunity. I know they get the summer off. Lorne Michaels and his buddies are all out in the Hamptons with their feet up on the deck looking at the ocean. But they missed an opportunity by taking these long summers off, especially when Donald Trump is doing as many rallies as he can. Just listen to this little rant about the audience size. I have broken more Elton John records. He seems to have a lot of records. And we beat, and I, by the way, I don't have a musical instrument. I don't have a guitar or an organ. No organ. Elton has an organ. And lots of other people helping. No, we've broken a lot of records. We've broken virtually every record. Because, you know, look, I only need this space. They need much more room. For basketball, for hockey, for all the sports, they need a lot of room. We don't need it. We have people in that space. So we break all these records. But really, we do it without, like, the musical instruments. This is the only musical, the mouth. And hopefully the brain attached to the mouth, right? The brain, more important than the mouth, is the brain. The brain is much more important. I agree. The brain is much more important. And as entertaining as that is, Boy, that would have been absolutely red meat for Alec Baldwin, wouldn't it? They could have had a blast with that. But that was the president last night. The odd rant about Elton John. And you know they're going to replay that clip about the organ. And then they're going to get the brain in there. And you're going to see a hand joke. It's all going to be there. So just a little moment from last night. The president also brought up the topic we covered in the first hour about uh, Peter Strzok, the FBI agent. And uh, this was before we got the news from that Hill report today about the additional emails and texts. How about that FBI agent? How about that guy? You think he likes me? You think he liked me? You think there was just a little bias there, a little bias? Oh, did we catch them in the act? It's a rigged deal, folks. It's a rigged deal. I used to say it. It's a rigged deal. It's a disgrace. Yes, it is a disgrace. And I I wish somebody would publish all of the text together in a timeline so we could read it as it happened. I think that would be a fascinating book. And that's got to be public domain, doesn't it? Because those are government papers. Maybe we'll see that. They would have to remove all the redactions, though, to make it an interesting story. And uh, the president also talked about how much we love ice and referenced uh, the event on the 4th of July at the Statue of Liberty. You saw that clown yesterday on the Statue of Liberty. You see the guys that went up there? I wouldn't have done it. I would have said, let's get some nets and let's wait till... She comes down. Just get some nets. Really. I agree. I agree. My wife and I were watching that woman stand up and try and avoid the police. The emergency services units from the uh, NYPD get up there and try and get her off the pedestal. And uh, I said, you know, why don't they just leave her up there? She got herself up there. Let herself get herself down. Just put some of those inflatable bags down there. No, they had to go up and get her. And about four hours into it, she finally allowed them to bring her down. And I said to my wife, look, they're, they're bringing her down. She's finally given up. And, and she brilliantly surmised the reason, the probable reason. She said the woman had to pee. She'd been up there three and a half, four hours.
And as someone who's driven across the nation with my wife, I realized she was 100% spot on. But the president continued giving props to the people who got her down. You see those guys, the bravery of doing that? What a group. Yeah, what a group. They put their lives at risk for this jack wagon, whose name I will not give the press. She was up there protesting, and her protest, there's a free speech zone on Liberty Island. She had every opportunity to stand in the free speech zone and go after whatever policy she wanted to go after, and her group did so, but she decided to make it a bigger deal. And then Liberty Island was evacuated. 3,000 people lost the opportunity to climb the Statue of Liberty. If you've ever done it, it's one of the most American things you can ever do. It takes weeks and months to get a reservation, to get into that, that uh, statue, to go through the security that's tougher than most airport security. And then you have to climb all the way up to the crown. It is amazing. But this one woman took it upon herself to deny all the people who probably planned months ahead, made their trips to New York to be in the Statue of Liberty on Independence Day. But no, this selfish jack wagon had to block their experience. Don't get me started. And now I'm betting we're going to have new security procedures because you're allowed to take the ferry boat out to Liberty Island and to Ellis Island, which they're very close. Without going through security, you want to bet the uh, Homeland Security is going to add a new, a new funnel of security that we all have to go through when we want to go out to Ellis Island or to Liberty Island. Thank you very much, Jack Wagon. I got to take a break. And you know that uh, I, before I go away, I want you to write down the phone number 844-900-BUCK, 844-900-BUCK. Let's talk about the Statue of Liberty. Let's talk about free speech. Let's talk about the greatest game show ever. But right now, let's talk about the Nine Line Apparel Company. Nine Line Apparel is a veteran-owned and operated patriotic lifestyle brand. Nine Line's goal is to bridge the gap between civilians and service members, whether it's military, law enforcement, or first responders, and to encourage a conversation between those who serve and those who support them. Known for their patriotic apparel designs, Nine Line is a give-back organization that supports our nation's veterans and first responders through the Nine Line Foundation and other nonprofit initiatives. The founder and CEO is from Special Ops Community, and many of the 150 employees are veterans and veteran spouses themselves. So, they don't hesitate to take a bold stance on important topical issues, whether support of the Second Amendment, advocating for veteran causes, or creating nonprofit shirts to aid when disasters or tragedies strike. The Nine Line team prides itself in representing the silent majority of Americans who hold their values and patriotism true to their hearts, like this audience. Nine Line Apparel offers a wide range of apparel, gear, accessories for the patriotic American. NineLineApparel.com is where you need to go. NineLineApparel.com. Use the coupon code BUCK20 and save 20% off your next order. That's NineLineApparel.com. Coupon code BUCK20. (music) 
Mike Opelka in for my friend, my buddy Buck Sexton. Tonight, Buck will be back on Monday. And of course, Monday night's a big night. The president announces his Supreme Court nominee. Got it down to three candidates from what we're told. And uh, I'm hoping he picks the lady from Chicago, the justice from Chicago. We'll get into that in a little bit. I've got a couple other issues we need to get to. Tonight, we're talking news, and we're getting serious on news, but we're also having fun. It's a Friday, so let's have a little frivolity. Those of you who follow me on Twitter, at StuntBrain, at StuntBrain, know that I like to ask what I call vital questions, and I am including air quotes when I say vital questions. And in the vital question, frivolous Friday department today, I'm asking simply, what's the greatest game show ever? I believe it's Jeopardy. I'm a fan of many different game shows. And uh, I kind of feel like uh, many on the left are looking at Donald Trump and thinking the Supreme Court has become a game show for him. He's already made appointment television for Monday night at nine o'clock. I just say the president knows how to own the news cycle and he's doing a great job on it. The next 10 days of the news cycle belong to Donald J. Trump. We'll get into that. I'll break that down for you in just a few minutes. But I got to check in with Pat from Ithaca, New York. Pat, welcome to the Buck Sexton Show. How are you? I'm well, Mr. Ambassador. Well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Pat is, for those of you who don't know, there is a new country on the planet. It is four square miles of dirt on the Danube River that sits between Serbia and Croatia. It is known as the Free Republic of Liberland. I call it Liberland. The Free Republic of Liberland. And it was uh, dedicated about three years ago by my buddy, the president of the country, Wit Jedlicka. And uh, my interest in this country, because it's based on Thomas Jefferson's principles, Jeffersonian principles, my interest in the country is very deep. And as such, I've been a supporter of Lieberland, and I have been uh, given a diplomatic status. I am a cultural ambassador to the Free Republic of Lieberland, and I'm also a, uh, I have dual citizenship, which I have to ask <laughs> Buck, because I think that disqualifies me for service in our intelligence community. I, I need to ask Buck the next time I see him. Somebody told me that. But Pat, you're a game show fan? Well, used to be. I'm kind of like a previous caller, except we have not had TV in much, much longer than seven years. But I, I have a little bit of uh, a fun story about, uh, of course, this isn't a game show, but it was a fun show about Candid Camera. Um, my, I, have a, I have Alan Funt's signature in my mother's autograph book because hmm. um, Alan Funt, I believe, went to Cornell here in Ithaca and he rented a room from my grandmother on Cornell Street and my mom had this autograph book and I, I have her autograph book with Alan Funt's signature in it when he was at Cornell. <laughs> so I just thought you'd love that little piece of trivia. I do love that little piece of trivia, but let's talk about Ithaca and Cornell, and is it Ithaca College up there as well? Yes. Is that bridge, my dad took us to upstate New York when we were kids, <laughs> they, he, he called it the kissing bridge, 
And I wonder if they're still allowed to cross that bridge uh, if a woman was caught crossing this bridge. According to my dad, who was the most honorable guy I know, if a woman was caught alone on the kissing bridge, she had to pay a toll of a kiss before she could get across. Uh, that's got to have gone the way of the buffalo, right? You know, I, I don't know if it's still current, but when my husband and I were dating, with the, at that point, that was in the mid-'80s, um, he, um, the, the custom there was that you had to kiss your girlfriend in the middle of the bridge, and so okay. that's what we did. All so right. I guess the custom changes over the years. And now they have to put these nets under all the bridges because people jump. So who knows? I mean, they may not even let people cross anymore. That's a, that's a good point. It's a beautiful part of the world. One of my favorite parts of uh, upstate New York. I visited there more than once. We drove back through there just a couple of years ago. I've got about 30 seconds left, Pat. Did you want to name a game show that you, if you had a TV, you would watch? Oh, currently, oh, probably not. Actually, I, I don't know. But, you know, I used to think Hollywood Squared was fun. It was fun. I, and as I, I may have mentioned earlier, my heart was broken when I learned that they were given all those funny answers. There were writers. So Paul Lind wasn't quite that funny. Michael Pelka in for Buck Sexton. We've got more to do and you need to stick around. We'll be right back. The Thread is a new hit podcast from Ozzy Media that explores history's surprising connections in order to discover how one thing leads to another. Like how John Lennon's murder connects all the way back to communist leader Vladimir Lenin. Get it on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen. He's back with you now, because when it comes to the fight for truth, the buck never stops. Mike Opelka in for my friend Buck Sexton tonight. Buck will be back on Monday, taking a little bit of an extended Independence Day holiday. And uh, I've got things to talk about. We talked earlier about the president and his Me Too comment last night that the left has lost its mind over. I contend Donald Trump knows everything he's doing. He knows when he's going to be able to troll the left. And he he knows how to get it done. And so that little five seconds of a Me Too mention, might have been 10 seconds, has taken CNN off its game, has taken MSNBC out of its, its attack zone on other things. And combine that with the economic news of the day today, with the numbers that came out, we were expecting this morning I got up early and I'm watching the markets and I'm reading the reports and we were expecting about 189 to 192,000 jobs. And that number was beaten by about 10%. Was it 213,000 jobs? And we'll dive into that because that, that's an important story. But I have a, a little bit of breaking news. If you followed me, and listen to my radio show over the last few years, you know my connection to our veterans, and you know my real connection to the problem we have losing veterans. 20 to 22 veterans each day take their own lives. It's one of the greatest shames of this country that we aren't able to wrap our arms around our vets and take care of them with the medical care, the psychiatric care, whatever. Whatever. 
and that somebody would be so desperate that they would have to take their own life after bravely serving this country, it breaks my heart. And that's why I also encourage you on Fridays, Fridays, wear a red shirt to remember everyone deployed. That's what that red shirt Friday stands for. Going forward, write it down. Send yourself a note. Remember everyone deployed. I have a a buddy who I followed for just about a year as he, after he returned from service to this country, spent over a decade in the military and was also taken aback by the surprising number of suicides among our veterans. He decided to make a statement. And so in response to the 22 per day who were taking their own lives, he walked 2,200 miles from his home in Tennessee all the way to the Pacific Ocean. And he did most of it by himself. It was a lonely journey. At times, it was a difficult journey as he went through parts of Dallas during the winter months, and it was really cold. He spent nights on the road, very few nights in in tiny hotels, cheap hotels. Sometimes people took him in. But he made it all the way to the West Coast, and it wasn't about making money. It was about bringing attention to the plight of our vets. And if you don't know Ernesto Rodriguez, our friend Nerdnesto on the Twitter, that's right, his name is Nerdnesto because he openly admits, he freely admits to being a nerd. Follow him at Nerdnesto. But Ernesto is on to a new project, and I asked him, could he spend a little time with us on a Friday night? How are you, my friend? Doing well. You sound good. I've been following you on yeah. Twitter, and you're taking on a serious topic again, but you sound really good and positive, and uh, I'm not going to kid you. I know you talk about the struggles that everybody who served this country can go through at times, but I do worry about you, but I'm proud of the way you take on the troubles that so many of our veteran community are dealing with. Tell us about your latest project. Yeah, of course. Um I, I have to, I, you know, I, the reason I'm in such high spirits is because in an environment where I am now, you have to be in high spirits or, or you will quit very quickly. Um, I've actually elected to be homeless for a year and live in an encampment in Tucson, Arizona that is run and, uh, overseen by homeless veterans. Um, very similar to a military structure, actually. Uh, and I'm documenting my time here. Uh, I'm filming here and I'm also writing. Um, a journal as as I go through this 365 days of being a homeless veteran. So you gave away or sold all of your possessions back home and are in an encampment in Arizona? Yes, it's in Tucson, Arizona. Um, I, uh, I, I gave up most of my things, not everything. Uh, a lot of this stuff is in storage, um, but I gave up my apartment uh, I did not bring a car with me because I, I felt if I did bring a car with me, I would be tempted to get in my car and immediately leave. Um, and I've been here for three three days, and uh, as 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 this experience is, you know, very unique, uh, it's it's also very very rough, especially it being July in Tucson. Yeah, I was just gonna say, you know, you pick really uh, difficult weather to put yourself through. 
and it, it gets hot in Tucson. And anybody who says it's a dry heat doesn't understand just how hot it is inside the oven that is Arizona. But you, um, mm-hmm. last night, Ernesto and I were trying to connect to set this up for tonight. And um, you sent me a message. And sometimes I, I think you don't understand how impactful your words are and how powerful the things you are experiencing are to others. And I said, can we talk? Because I want to preview this. And so we didn't get a chance to talk because you said, sorry, I was in a tunnel picking up heroin needles. Um, Correct. My my first reaction is, what the hell? You're in a homeless camp filled with veterans, and apparently there's also a heroin problem. Yeah, I mean, uh, so the, the camp that I'm in is, is in, a, in an area where the, the homeless population is large. It's not only veterans here; there's also civilians. And uh, during these hot months, a lot of a lot of um, a lot of the civilian uh, homeless uh, take refuge in the tunnels. You know, the, the washes and, and the tunnels down here. And some of them have substance abuse problems. And you know, there is there is some addiction here. Uh, but the veterans that live in this camp, as well as volunteers, go through the tunnels to make sure that. Um, those needles are picked up to make sure nobody steps on them or contracts anything and so that they can't be reused um, to, to prevent uh, the spread of disease here. I want everybody to just marinate in what Ernesto just said. These are homeless veterans who are part of a camp, who are living in very desperate situations, but at the core of their being, at the core of their, their, their center, These homeless vets also continue to serve this nation by going out and cleaning up the heroin needles, cleaning up the areas where the other homeless people who may not or may or may not be veterans, but they have a substance abuse problem. And, you know, if you take away those needles, we're going to maybe stem some of the spread of disease that goes through the IV drug use community. And these folks who are in many ways uh, destitute in terms of comparison to the average American, they're still serving this country. They're still going out and helping keep their community safe and clean. That that one line, sorry, I was in a tunnel picking up heroin needles, just gut punched me last night. Now, you're going to be in this community for a year, Ernesto. You've got 362 days more to spend there. You don't have a car. Mm -hmm. You don't really have mm-hmm. a means of support. Uh, are you are you part of a leadership group, or are you just kind of folding into the group of vets there? So they have a rank structure here. They have a commander. They have a head of security. Um, I'm embedding myself. I've also volunteered my time, so I, I will be providing security for the camp as well. Uh, the, the vets here take shifts to make sure that the camp stays safe at night, especially because of the neighborhood that we're in. Um, I feel very safe here. I actually brought my, my two uh, beautiful corgis with me. Uh, I needed them this time for the emotional support. Uh, I can't, uh, I don't think I could do this without them. Um, but uh, there is a rank structure. I'm really here to observe uh, and, and to watch how, how the year unfolds. Um, but of course, uh, to, to be, uh, to, to, to tell the truth about what this camp does and, and how it runs. Uh, you have to have boots on ground. You actually have to experience it and bet in it and, and, and live it. Um, I, I've seen uh, a couple of times I've been here, I've seen a couple of reporters, they come in for a day or two, and and, uh, and I've seen some of the articles, the, the, the proofs of, of some of the articles, and 
it's a little um, biased just because they weren't here for very long. Uh, and I want to make sure that when I write um, what I'm writing, it's it's truthful um, and, and I get the full experience of being here. Is there any help being given to the veterans who are there by the VA? Is there any outreach from the local VA to bring support to these veterans, or do they have to go to a clinic if they need help? Uh, there are a few veterans here that do have VA um, uh, uh, endorsement, and, or, or they are actual retired veterans, so they, they get medical uh, when they need it. But, um, I mean, we have amputees here. We have people in wheelchairs. Um, we have... Um, you know, people who are, are going through substance abuse problems now and they're trying to get clean so they stay in this camp so they have the community behind them for the support. Because at the end of the day, veterans always help veterans. And uh, and, and the three days that I've been here, I've, I've been seeing it every day. Uh, I've seen uh, able-bodied veterans come out and push the disabled veterans with wheelchairs around uh, to ensure that they can get to chow or to, you know, uh, shower or whatever they need to do. And the community actually here has rallied a lot. Um, they do have a, a, um, a good support system when it comes to the community. People will come here with fuel to fuel up the generators uh, to allow them to keep their food cold in the refrigerator. Uh, they also have uh, people come and bring ice and water, though it's sometimes scarce. So, for example, right now uh, we're very low on fuel, which means the generators are about to go out. Um, and there's no ice at the moment. So right now we're drinking lukewarm water. We're talking with a, a radio friend of mine, but a guy I have boundless respect for. He served this nation bravely for more than a decade. His name is Ernesto Rodriguez. We know him on Twitter at NerdNesto, but he's embedded himself in a homeless veterans camp outside of Tucson, Arizona. Ernesto, what can we do? How can we help? right now i know you're going to spend a year observing and trying to bring more mm -hmm. attention to it but what can we do now did i lose you uh, hello i was I asking just what what can we do now for you guys yeah I, so they have a, a page uh if you look up camp conklin c-o-n uh k-l-i-n they have a page and usually they'll update on things they need so if they say they need ice or fuel. Um, I, I donated a few gas carts myself. Uh, that way they, they can take a cart over to the local gas station and uh, fill up the five-gallon drums of fuel uh, so that they can keep the electricity in the camp running. Uh, okay. Uh, just, yeah, uh, really, it's, it's, it's Tucson. It's blazing hot. There's no, you know, there's no break from the heat. You're in a tent. You're sweating. You're outside. You're being hit by the sun constantly. Uh, really, uh, honestly, good vibes and prayers right now because it's it's uh, it's pretty rough this summer. Well, Camp Conklin is the site you need to check out. I will tweet out a link to it. My friend uh, Bravo Base Camp Conklin, Camp Conklin is out there. Uh, it's in dire need of donations. And I will hopefully get updates from you regularly throughout the year. I wish I were closer I'd come by myself, but maybe I can do a little something online here with a little help. And if you can help, too, Ernesto, God bless you, my friend. Um, I just reach out whenever you need to get the word out, and we'll take care of it. 
Sounds good. We'll talk soon. Thank you. Michael Pelka, stepping aside for a quick break. When we get back, uh, an update. And in the break, I'm going to tweet out a link to Camp Conklin. It's hard to say. It's a clunky name. We need a, a media consultant. I'm in for Buck Sexton tonight. Come on back. Mike Opelka in for uh, my friend Buck Sexton on this fabulous Friday. Buck's taking a little extra time off. We have much to talk about. I've got a couple of other issues. Uh, I want to tell you about a state that's killing itself with taxes. We still need to talk about more of the game shows, the greatest game shows ever, and you can vote for yours. Do it on Twitter or do it on the phone. You know where to call. But I have to remind you about Simply Safe. In 2017, the Better Business Bureau heard more than 5,000 complaints about alarm companies. And that puts home security in the top 10% of the most complained about industries. Top 10%. Think about that. Home security. So here's how you fix home security. Do what my friends over at Simply Safe did. Simply Safe got rid of contracts and hidden fees. They work hard to earn their customers' business instead of relying on fine print and tricks. Simply Safe is a company that treats its customers right. How rare is that today? The company relies on good service and a great product to earn your business. I've known Simply Safe for years. They are good people. That's why they've got the A plus rating with the Better Business Bureau for 10 years running. There are over 40,000 five star reviews about Simply Safe online. Simply Safe is what home security should be. You get the best protection, period. So learn more about Simply Safe today at simplysafe.com slash buck. Simplysafe.com slash buck. Protect your home and your family with an A plus home security system. Simplysafe.com slash buck. Do it today. As I mentioned, we are keeping our eyes on all kinds of things. Uh, I, I was really, really hoping, I was really hoping that the president would decide to troll the media and leak his Supreme Court nominee sometime today. Because if he did it, everybody and their brother would have to come rushing back from their vacations in order to cover it live. And for me, that's fun to watch. So everybody would have had to leave. Then the Long Island Expressway coming back from the Hamptons would have been absolutely log jammed. What am I saying? Wolf Blitzer and all those media elites would take a helicopter into the city. They wouldn't be uh, on the LIE. No, no, no. Not even in the stretch Uber that they would take. But um, I, it's not happening. I wished it were happening, but it's not. So we're going to deal with Monday night at nine o'clock. Must see TV. The president once again dominating primetime television. And I mentioned earlier that it's going to be 10 days that President Trump is going to be owning the media cycle. He's basically owned it since the announcement of uh, the opportunity to nominate someone to the Supreme Court. And the next day, it was a week ago yesterday, a week ago yesterday that we saw the biggest freak out 
from the people on the left, the people on the left who absolutely lost their minds. My old boss, Whoopi Goldberg. That's right. You heard that correctly. I worked for Whoopi Goldberg over a decade ago. Whoopi had the biggest freak out on The View as they were talking about what was happening. This was Whoopi's reaction to Donald Trump getting a Supreme Court nomination. Get out of my behind. Get out of my vagina. Get out. What did you say, Whoopi? Get out of my behind. Get out of my vagina. Get out. I I don't think we're going to have any argument on that. Mike Opelka, come on back. Buck Sexton. Permission. Decoding the news and disseminating information with actionable intelligence. Make Make no mistake. America. You're a great American again. This is the Buck Sexton Show. Activate. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. Buck Sexton. It is Buck Sexton. Now. It is Buck Sexton. In about uh, 22 hours and two days from now, Mike Opelka sitting in for my friend Buck Sexton. I probably screwed up the math, so don't don't at me on Twitter. But I'm filling in for my buddy Buck. Uh, I'll be here for the next hour, and I hope you will hang around. I hope you will be part of the conversation. I hope you will join me in discussing the Frivolous Friday question, as well as the news of the day. The Frivolous Friday question, because it's Friday and we have to take a little light approach to things, is uh, what's the greatest game show ever in the history of game shows? I got a bunch of stuff on Facebook. A bunch of you follow me on Facebook and Twitter who have written in and suggested things like The Gong Show, which I think was more of a comedy show than a game show because you weren't really winning a lot. It was Chuck Barris kind of jerking our chains, if you will. Uh, a lot of support for The Price is Right. A whole lot of support for Jeopardy, of course, because it's the greatest game show ever. But there are people saying, do you remember The Joker's Wild, uh, Press Your Luck? And then they always talk about no whammy, no whammy, no whammy. I don't remember that. But if you have a favorite game show and you want to remember it, What about the newlywed game? What about the dating game? One of the greatest conservatives alive today who uh, puts out a lot of great information on Twitter and online is Chuck Woolery. Chuck Woolery, the guy who hosted the dating game for quite a while. Yeah, no, it was Love Connection. Chuck Woolery, Love Connection, where he did We'll Be Back in Two and Two. And uh, Chuck got blacklisted in Hollywood for being a conservative, and he's had to make his own way. But I'm real proud of Chuck Woolery and proud to call him a friend and a a conservative. Also in the conservative world, great game show host, Pat Sajak. Yeah, Sajak's a conservative. Do you follow him on Twitter? You should. But I'd love to hear what your thoughts are. Who is your pick? What is your pick for the greatest game show ever? 844-900-BUCK, 844-900-BUCK. Just a little frivolity on this Friday. Uh, Reports, by the way, out of North Korea, our Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, is saying that uh, we have made progress in the negotiations. You know, he flew back to North Korea because we got reports from our own surveillance that North Korea was up to no good, that they weren't doing what they had indicated they would do 
in terms of shutting down uranium enrichment and stopping the production of nuclear materials. And I believe that the dance with North Korea is not going to be a short dance. It's going to be a dance marathon. In order to shut down this guy, it's going to take constant pressure. It's going to take more sanctions. It's going to t- it's got to be like the toughest teacher you ever had who is leaning over your shoulder watching you write out your assignments. That's what we're going to have to do with this guy. And keep holding the carrot, but also keep waving the stick. So I'm, I'm happy to hear that, that the Secretary of State is making progress, and I'm happy to see that he's posting updates online because that lets the mainstream media know that uh, you're not going to get away with tearing this down. I still believe that it's going to take more than one year, as Pompeo says, and less than a decade that the left is saying for us to uh, solve the North Korean crisis. Now, there's also news coming out of D.C. that that we have to address today, serious news that we have to address today, and it's about the economy. The economy is on fire, and yet the left has taken on the same kind of approach they did when the tax cuts hit. Did you see the reaction today? The, uh, The left actually called the economic report today, the jobs report today, they actually refer to it as reckless. Are you kidding me? You have a gigantic boost in jobs. You have uh, a spike expected to be about 190,000. You got more than 213,000 jobs that were created. You have more people rushing to get back to the employment world when, when Barack Obama was in office, we had people running away because they could get more money not working than working. But now we have 155 million plus people employed in this country. We saw manufacturing spike 36,000 jobs. It's huge. We have Hispanic unemployment at a lowest level ever. Hispanic unemployment. What do you think that's going to do to the midterm elections? If we can keep the economy strong, if we can keep this economy percolating, you can keep Hispanic unemployment strong, you can keep women unemployment strong, you can keep black unemployment at those low levels, and then we'll start to see prices being paid to workers go up, wages rising. Of course, we do have costs that we have to deal with. There's a spike in oil. There is a possibility that inflation is looming. But people are starting to have confidence and hope in this economy. And that means that this president could break a historic precedent. And I'm talking about the midterm elections jinx, basically. Now, there's a story on Breitbart today. I don't spend a lot of time on Breitbart today, but they have summarized a Reuters poll. A Reuters poll that should have Democrats freaking out. I almost said something worse. Uh, Nancy Pelosi wetting herself. Maybe that's the, the way to approach it. Young white Americans are running away from the Democratic Party in huge numbers. And it's not just since the election of Trump, but it's a continuing trend. Today, 39% of young white Americans say they favor Republicans, 39 percent 
of young white Americans say they favor Democrats. That was a different story in 2016. A very different story in 2016. The poll reveals, this Reuters poll reveals, that Democrats are losing young Americans overall. Before Trump's election, 55, 55% of young Americans favored Democrats over Republicans. Today, that margin is down to only 46% of young Americans who are still loyal to Democrats. Now, there's going to be a big discussion over what's the big issue as we approach the midterms. And the top two, according to a different poll, the top two issues are immigration and the economy. And I wish, you know, we've got the economy bubbling. I wish we could get something done in some way, shape, or form on immigration, something concrete that would show to the people that Donald Trump is working to solve this problem. We need help, though, from people on both sides of the aisle. The United States is the most generous country on the planet, especially when it comes to citizenship. We take in, we allow in, we process more than 1.5 million immigrants every year. 1.5 million. Just let that number marinate. And then there are the people who have crossed here illegally, the illegal aliens. But we continue bringing in more than a million legal immigrants every year, every single year. I think that uh, with Donald Trump, with the growing economy, you are finally seeing a reality that those immigrants coming to this country are no longer defaulting to Democrats. So with the young people, running away from Democrats in numbers with the immigrant population starting to move towards uh, at least an open consideration for one or the other, conservative or liberal, with uh, black Americans starting to look at Donald Trump and saying, you know, he was right when he said, what do you have to lose? We have the Democrats very, very worried. And they should be worried, especially after the New York primary where the number four Democrat in the House lost to a 28-year-old Democratic socialist, a socialist who, who basically is lying about who she is as well as her story. She's not a girl from the Bronx. She's not Jenny from the block. She grew up in Westchester County. And those of you who know New York and outside of New York City, Westchester is known to the cool kids as Bestchester. That's where Martha Stewart has one of her homes. There's a lot of rich folks in Westchester. So I'm just saying, keep an eye on this. If the economy keeps percolating and the GOP can get something done on immigration, we will have a historic change in midterm election momentum. And I just, I just hope the GOP doesn't shoot itself in the foot and ruin the opportunity they have. But back to the frivolous Friday question. Pat in Alabama is checking in. Pat, welcome to the Buck Sexton Show. How are you? Did we lose Pat? Pat, are you with me? I was hoping to get Pat's opinion on uh, the best game show. But apparently we've lost Pat. I'll tell you what, Pat, I'm, uh, I'm going to give you a sec. Hey, Pat, are you with me? Thank you. Hey, welcome, Pat. Uh, what part of Alabama? Phoenix City. 
Where is that? I don't know that. North, south, east, okay, west? It's across the river from Columbus, Georgia. Okay. It's a beautiful part. Beautiful part of the world. Absolutely. All right. What's your Absolutely. vote for the greatest game show ever? How about, this is going to age me, $64,000 question. The $64,000 question doesn't age you at all. You sound like you were a kid watching that show. That's a good one. Now, you still, you still have a TV, right? Because I've been hearing from people all night who say, I haven't had a TV in seven years. I, I actually, I'm still addicted to television. I just watch different shows now. Now, I, I, I do love Jeopardy. But, uh, but I can remember when the $64,000 question was where it was at. And can you remember, I mean, we go back this far, $64,000 was life-changing money at one point. Exactly. It was monumental in those days. And you know what? Uh, to, to most of us today, uh, $64,000 would do a whole lot to dent some of the problems people have in their, in their budget. So I'm not going to discount that. It, it, you couldn't even buy some cars with the $64,000. That's that's so true. You couldn't buy a Tesla. You couldn't buy many Benz and, and uh, Mercedes Benzes and uh, BMWs with that money. But uh, great to hear from you, Pat. I appreciate you being there, and uh, thanks for joining me tonight as I fill in for Buck. Uh, I'll take one more quick one here. Kim is in Texas. What part of Texas, Kim? Well, I'm out in the country in McDade. Okay, and you're um, you obviously still. You still got a, a TV, so you're you're voting on the game show. <laughs> yes, we don't have cable, but uh, we have satellite. That's all we can get. Yes. Okay. Um, but my favorite game show is Match Game. Uh, the Match Gene Game, Rayburn. the classic yes. one with Gene Rayburn, is what you were saying. Yes. Yes. Love it. Love it because it was risque, um, and it really kind of told the history of how things were back then, because a lot of the contestants, you know, that were women, um, mostly did not have a job. They were home takers and things like that or things. It just, it just represented the history of where we were. Not that I'm like a feminist or anything like that, but I'm just saying, I love that show. Love that show. Well, I'm old enough to remember a show that they could not do today because it would be considered too sexist, and that's Queen for a Day. Do you remember that one? Oh, Queen for a Day. No, I don't. They took women who were housewives and put them on the show, and they competed against each other. And for the grand prize, you want to talk about sexist, they got like a washing machine or a dishwasher. Yes, right. <laughs> right, right. Well, you know, just, just like in the old days of... Uh, all the game shows, you know, what they offered, you know, in the when they go back that far. Yeah, it was washing machines, uh, carpet cleaners, all that. But uh, yeah, here's, yes, but I love something to, to make you work at home. It was. <laughs> yes, right. Very... But Gene Rayburn, he was so funny. I just, yeah. you know, and they uh, he really touched upon a lot of uh innuendos so i may say and it was a, a ton of innuendo kim I, i'm up against a break i appreciate you say hi to texas for me sure. i miss texas greatly have a great day mike opelka in for buck sexton before i take this break though i have to remind you 
I have to remind you of uh, one of one of Buck's great sponsors here, the Black Rifle Coffee Company. If you've ever found yourself wincing at weak coffee, the weak taste of coffee from one of those left-leaning corporate brands, you probably thought, man, I wish they spend less time on meaningless bias training, worrying about their bathroom policy and other things that defy common sense and more time on the actual coffee. And that's why people need Black Rifle Coffee. Founded by former Special Ops vets, Black Rifle delivers the best roast-to-order coffee right to your door. You don't even have to leave. This guarantees that you're getting the fresh, premium coffee with every order. Not only does Black Rifle make one hell of a cup of coffee, they also give a portion of their sales to veterans and to first responder causes. So when you choose Black Rifle Coffee, you're choosing a company that supports our vets, serves coffee and culture to those who love America. I want you to do this now. If you're a coffee drinker, you got to visit blackriflecoffee.com slash buck. You'll receive 50%, 15% off your offer. Blackriflecoffee.com slash buck for 15% off. Blackriflecoffee.com slash buck. Michael Pelka in for Buck Sexton tonight. Buck will be back Monday. He's getting a long weekend. I appreciate the opportunity to be back with so many of you who are checking in tonight. Uh, I'm hearing from a lot of you and many of you on Facebook and you're voting on the greatest game show question. It's a frivolous question, but we're, ta- we're covering serious stuff, too. We talked about the economic numbers today. We talked about the midterm elections. We talked a little bit about this release of the new memos between Strzok and Page that made it look like they really had a plan to prevent Donald Trump from becoming the president and the abuse of the FISA court. If you missed it in the first hour, make sure you get the podcast. It's on uh, iHeartMedia, Stitcher, and uh, iTunes, and you'll be able to check that out and see what we were talking about, as well as some of the folks calling in on the uh, best game show ever, 844-900-BUCK. 844-900-BUCK. Let's check in with uh, Peter in Saratoga, Saratoga Springs, New York. Peter, welcome to the program. Thank you. I'm uh, happy you're here, and I'm curious. What is your choice for the greatest game show ever? Actually, I got two of them. The first one is What's My Line, and the second one, of course, is Jeopardy. They both make you use your brains. Yeah, I like that. Uh, what's my line where you had to guess what people did for a living and the panel, if the person was likely to be famous, the panel was actually blindfolded. So it was kind of cool to see that. And Je- you're right on Jeopardy. I think the more we engage our brains, the better we're going to be at all times. So that's always a good thing. Um, and and uh, what's my line? They haven't brought it back. I think that's a tough one to bring back. They brought back so many of the old shows, but that would be a tough one. Thank you, Peter. I appreciate you checking in. Uh, I think I have enough time to do one more quick check-in on this frivolous Friday poll. Uh, Felix in PA, what's going on, Felix? Hello, Mike. Hey, um, you know that a young Tom Selleck actually froze either on a dating game or love uh, connection? 
I remember a lot of uh, celebrities made their bones in the early days. Even Arnold Schwarzenegger was seen on the on the dating game in the very early part of his career. So you can go back and find a lot of those on the YouTubes. They were a lot of fun. I, of course, love the bloopers. I love everything about the bloopers. And I appreciate you checking in. Uh, we got to go into the history file in the next half hour. And uh, we'll dive in a little deep dive on some Major League Baseball history and the greatest game ever played. I've got the details next on the Buck Sexton program with Mike Opelka. holding the line for America. Buck Sexton is back. Mike Opelka is in for Buck. Buck will be back officially, physically, Monday, but I'm here for the remainder. Been here all night. Have enjoyed you guys interacting, answering Friday's frivolous question, what's the greatest game show ever? 844-900-BUCK. Still a little time for you to join in the conversation. 844-900-BUCK. Interesting that Buck and I followed the same stories, and uh, I know he was tracking the story of the 30-year-old man in San Antonio at a Whataburger who stole the hat off a 16-year-old Trump supporter and poured a soda on him. The 30-year-old guy who doesn't deserve to have his name on the radio was taken into custody at his home in Universal City, Texas, without incident by the Robbery Task Force in San Antonio. Good for those detectives who tracked this guy down and arrested him for stealing the Make America Great hat off this juvenile. Now, can you imagine, if we'd have just dialed this back three years ago, or five years ago, or eight years ago, if you'd have had someone with a hope and change hat on in a burger joint and a member of a GOP group had gone up and grabbed the hat and thrown the drink on the guy and said, uh, your hat's going to look great in my fireplace, biatch. Can you imagine the outrage? This guy would have, there would have been a manhunt. There would have been a reward for his capture and conviction. Obama would have called for a burger summit. But uh, thank God for the Internet, because this guy lost his job, then he was arrested, and the company that had employed him, a bar that employed this idiot, made a public statement saying that uh, we don't endorse this. We believe that everybody has free speech, and I'm sure that was a smart bit of PR for them to get that out there. But uh, great to see. That's a follow-up on one of the stories I know Buck was uh, covering last night on the show. And uh, he also covered the Alan Dershowitz story. And I thought this was interesting. Uh, Buck mentioned um, uh, the hair of one Joe Scarborough. And I actually used to spend a lot of time traveling between Washington, D.C., Delaware, and New York City when I had my blaze beat and I was uh, covering New York stories as well as D.C. stories out of my freedom bunker here in Delaware. And uh, got on the train one day. And sure enough, there's 
Joe Scarborough and Mika Brzezinski, and they're on the train. And I regularly trolled both of them during my Blaze days. If you go back and search my Blaze story account, you will see that I gave them no wiggle room. But I walked up and introduced myself to them because we have a friend in common. And Joe goes, come on over here. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. And we actually sat and talked civilly. And I disagree with so much that comes out of Joe Scarborough's mouth. But um, I have to agree with Buck. His hair, kind of, kind of spectacular. I have uh, tonsorial envy. My hair um, has prematurely departed. Most of it. There's still a little bit left. But uh, I know Buck played a clip from Joe Scarborough mocking Alan Dershowitz yesterday. There's a follow-up to that. So let's remember what Scarborough said about Dershowitz. He's upset because doing the bidding of Donald Trump and by extension Vladimir Putin by attacking Robert Mueller III, he's not allowed to come to the trendiest clam bakes without feeling a cold <laughs> shoulder. Kind of a kind of a crappy statement to make you know kind of a little uh, it's kind of like junior high to make that kind of a statement well alan dershowitz was on with tucker carlson last night i happened to catch it and he had a couple things to say a couple things to say and one of them very pointedly at uh, joe scarborough here's the first thing dershowitz said I don't think what you're describing is a liberal phenomenon. I'm a liberal. I think it's a hard left radical phenomenon. I think liberals still support free speech. Liberals still support due process. But the Democratic Party and the left has been taken over by radicals who have no interest in I due process. They're like Negroponte. They only want their truth to prevail. They don't want any dissent. They don't want any argument. It's happening on university campuses. And when you have professors like Negroponte giving the students the lesson, it's okay not to engage, not to talk to people you disagree with. It's a terrible reflection of what's going on in the United States of America. Dershowitz is right. And Dershowitz is a liberal, a guy who's able to defend the Constitution from the perspective of the Constitution and not from a political perspective. And so when when he also talked about the fact that his opinions, which are defending the Constitution and seem to support Donald Trump, make it all the way to Martha's Vineyard, then he is shut out, shunned, if you will, by the limousine liberals, or as I like to call them, the Mercedes Maoists of uh, the Martha's Vineyard, Nantucket crowd. And so when Dershowitz heard the morning Joe mocking, he responded back to Joe Scarborough. And I think I would hope that MSNBC had the spine to follow up on this. I challenge morning Joe to have me on a show when he mocks me so that I can respond. It's easy and kind of uh, unfair to attack somebody and then not give him an opportunity to respond. Let's see if he has the guts to put me on a show so that I can tell his viewers the truth. I love it when he puts the emphasis on guts. This is a guy, he's not a young guy, but he's kind of calling out Scarborough. I think he's older than Joe Scarborough, maybe by 15 or 20 years. But here's Alan Dershowitz just kind of sticking the, the stick in Joe Scarborough's side. Opportunity to respond. Let's see if he has the guts to put me on a show so that I can tell his viewers the truth. I'm waiting. 
I'm waiting to see if that happens. Let's see if he has the guts. You don't have the guts, Joe Scarborough. Well, he might have the guts. He has to check with Mika first. That's, you know, obviously. You got to get Mika's permission before you would allow Alan Dershowitz on the show. A liberal, a Harvard liberal that you're afraid of. Morning, Joe. What the hell is wrong with you? Uh, I will tell you, they were very civil on the train. Even posed for a little picture with Mika and Joe. But uh, I would love to see Alan Dershowitz take them both on. I'd love to see Alan Dershowitz deliver a little television justice to that MSNBC show. All right. I I don't know if... Um, I guess I guess we have time to introduce you to a new sponsor. And this relates to Joe Scarborough. This relates to many on the left who are still upset about the election. This relates to the Hillary fans. And I want to share for you a new uh, Buck Sexton show sponsor. They may only be on with us tonight, but this is a brand new drug called Groaset. Are you easily offended? Do you find yourself crying when you realize the Electoral College was won by Donald Trump and not Hillary Clinton? Did you hold a pantsuit party only to have it turn into a pity party? Then you need to ask your doctor about Groaset. It's essentially a backbone for some, a pair of testicles for others. So if you're one of those precious snowflakes who can't wait for the next Yankee candle catalog to arrive, or you will binge watch Nicholas Sparks movies, perhaps you could benefit from Groaset, the new FDA-approved drug for people who are too easily offended or just can't take a joke. Side effects from Groaset include happiness, no longer crying in front of your friends, and the ability to hold a conversation with people of a different mindset. Ask your doctor about Groaset. Yes, Groaset. I, I don't think you're going to be finding that in your local store. I just wanted to share that with you. My name is Mike Opelka. I'm going to step aside. When we come back, I want to go into history. I want to take a look at what's going on in history. Oh, you know what? Before we get out of here, before we take a break right here, James is on the line checking in from Round Rock, Texas. James, I love me some Round Rock, Texas. You're in a great part of the world, but you wanted to weigh in on the best game show ever? Oh, I, I heard and I had to weigh in. I'm not sure if anybody said this yet, but Family Feud with Steve Harvey. You could, yeah, you could I love Steve Family Feud, and I love it with Steve Harvey because he is so damn funny. But do you even remember Family Feud with Richard Dawson? It, yeah, I, well... That was before my time of TV watching, but um, it, I've seen reruns. And it's not as good. You put you put Steve Harvey in any of those shows that you you've named so far, and it'd be the best best game show out there. He's just he's, he's a character. Yeah, I'm a fan of Steve Harvey. I think he's really funny, and he under he understands entertainment from a family level, but he also dances on the double entendre line quite a bit, but. Uh, if you go back and watch, as you mentioned, some of those old Richard Dawson shows, 
I, I got a story I need to tell about Richard Dawson on the set of Family Feud because he thought he was a master chess player. He envisioned himself as a chess player. And there's a story that drifted out from inside of the production company that he wanted to play chess before every taping and he needed to win. So they hired a really big chess guy to go in and play Dawson, but they paid him to lose. So Richard would come out with a real positive attitude. And Dawson kind of got cocky and started mocking the guy. And one day the guy had had enough. Dawson was saying, well, you're a big chess player, but I beat you every day. And finally the guy had enough and he beat him the next day at chess. And Dawson refused to come out for the taping. This is a Hollywood legend. I got to make sure it's true. But he apparently wouldn't come out of his trailer. He was so distraught. And they had to send the audience and the contestants home for the day. A little bit of celebrity meltdown. Just a little inside story. So when we come back, thank you, James, from Round Rock for checking in. When we come back, I got to talk history because something happened on this day back in the day that uh, bears learning about. And it's uh, the greatest game that was ever played first happened on this day, and it happened in my hometown of Chicago. We'll talk about that next on the Buck Sexton Show. Michael Pelka wrapping up my night here, filling in for my pal Buck Sexton. Thank you for joining me. Obviously, this audience very active, voting for a lot of different game shows. And if you missed anything, iHeartMedia, Stitcher, and iTunes will carry the entire podcast. So go and check it out. If you're looking for me, you can find me on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, etc. Under Pure Opelka. Pure Opelka. You'll see what I do. I'm also on the uh, Twitter, at StuntBrain. And I'm on Facebook. You can follow me on Facebook as well. I appreciate it. Uh, a word on the on the tariffs and the trade war. The president, I believe, is a guy who doesn't want any tariffs going either direction. So I think that's the end game. And I think we got to watch it. We already saw Angela Merkel last night saying she didn't want tariffs, any tariffs on American cars, which means a Corvette goes from 94,000 in Germany to 54,000 in Germany. And that's the way trade is supposed to be. I believe the president is protecting us I believe he's protecting our intellectual property in his efforts to get China's attention. And it might have a little painful stuff before we get to the good stuff. So just watch that space. Now, I was talking about history, as I love history. Buck loves history. On this day, back in the day, in 1945, Operation Overcast, which became Operation Paperclip, started. That's a secret program we use to bring German and Austrian scientists to America It changed the course of this nation. Immigrants coming here legally are important and vital. Remember that. On this date in 1957, Althea Gibson won Wimbledon. She was the first black person to win that title. Very important moment in history. But also on this date in 1933, something happened in Chicago, in my hometown. The first All-Star game was played. The very first baseball All-Star game. And think about it. It was a time in our great nation when the American League 
and the National League didn't have interleague play. It didn't happen until the World Series. And at this time in 1933, just out of the Great Depression, baseball was having a huge problem. They couldn't get people in the stands. They couldn't get the audience's attention. Uh, The revenues were dropping like a rock. But that's when, that's when a sports editor, a guy that nobody thinks about, a guy named Arch Ward suggested to the, the commissioner of baseball, suggested to the team owners that you get the best players from both leagues to play together in what they were going to call the game of the century. And in 1933, after he convinced the owners, he convinced the league, he even guaranteed to make up any losses with his own salary. They decided to have the game of the century. And one of the things that Arch Ward insisted on in his ideas was that the fans have a say. The fans got to vote the players in. So you had, for the first time, fans voting for Gehrig, fans voting for Babe Ruth. This was one of the greatest inventions ever for Major League Baseball. I happen to be an unabashed baseball fan. And my Chicago White Sox are having a terrible season, or as it's known in the world, a building, rebuilding season. But it was on this date, back in 1933, one of America's great traditions started at Comiskey Park at 35th and Shield Street in Chicago, Illinois. And it was all because one guy had an idea. And that's what this country's about. Finding an idea, finding your passion, pushing it forward, putting yourself on the line. And years later, the great tradition continues. The greatest game in baseball, the annual All-Star Game. And it happens on the 17th of this month in Washington, D.C., just a little bit of history for you. Mike Opelka is saying thank you so much for joining me tonight. Thank you, Buck. The Godfather is always listening. The and Godfather you can find himself. me on Twitter, on Facebook, and occasionally here on the radio. Testudo, my friends. Testudo. Testudo.